Come on, you sissy, be a man. Don't cry. Grow some muscle, you puny wimp. Real men are ripped. Kick his ass. What? You ate a salad? Fucking rabbit food. Real men eat meat, and only meat, cooked over a fire on a stick. You want that woman? Fucking fuck her. What? She said no? So what? Inside, every no is a yes waiting to come out. You just gotta get it out of her by getting it in her. Know what I mean? We all know what toxic masculinity is. Or do we? Why is it suddenly a thing the media is obsessed with? And is it really a new phenomenon at all? Where does it come from? Is it simply an inherent aspect of being a male? How is it taught? How is it reinforced? How is it represented in the stories we read and watch? How do we diffuse it? What is the antidote? Join me and my intrepid co-host, Jen Zuko, as well as some other guests, as we embark on another semi-drunken exploration of the intersection of literature and society as we discuss problematic, toxic masculinity tropes. Here we are, ready for, for number five which you have called um, number five of the problematic toxic masculinity tropes, sassy gay friend. There's a subtrope. And I was right. wanting to start with a um, sort of reiteration of what these tropes actually mean, like before I, I get your summary of this trope. Uh-huh. Is that cool? Yeah. Go ahead. And, like what, and what I mean like by the problematic, what, what this trope actually is. Uh-huh. Or what the problem is, I guess. So – the female version of these tropes were called the problematic badass female tropes because I wanted to focus on the badass characters uh-huh. of female female characters and why they're problematic. This series I'm calling problematic toxic masculinity tropes because, well, there's – I mean all, all male characters are kind of needing to be badass. Like the badass male is kind of redundant. And so right. I wanted to talk about what – the problematic tropes are of male characters, which tends to be toxic masculinity. Uh-huh. And this one in particular, I want to look at that first word in the title of all of them, which is actually the most important one. The toxic part of these tropes is not really the most important part. It's part of what makes every all of these tropes problematic. But the point is that, that these tropes are problematic. And the reason they're problematic is as you you pointed out really well in our conversation here with this document is that the problems come in with these tropes, these trope characters putting up false and unrealistic ideals of hegemonic masculinity. And then there's this punishing of the male for not living up to these completely unrealistic ideals right. of hegemonic masculinity. And, that, and these go, come in in different forms. They're, they're different facets of the hegemonic masculinity. And we've gone through several of them so far. The sassy gay friend, and I think you pointed something out with this. We have, So listeners, we had this really cool conversation on this uh, Google Doc because I had a Google Doc that's the outline of the article. This is one of the the later articles that I haven't actually written and or published yet. So we're all having these like really cool like conversations on the, on these, these documents. And this is the, this is your rough draft outline that we looked at first, right? This is a rough outline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so 
which is great because I love doing that. I love having the outline shared with you and then we can talk about it. And it like makes me go, <laughs> I know exactly how to write the article now. This is what happened right. last time. So I know this is going to happen again today. But the thing about um, Sassy Gay Friend, and then there's a subtrope as well, which is a, a kind of a different monster, though. He's a very, very related monster. Right. Um, but the Sassy Gay Friend, the, the problematic aspect of the Sassy Gay Friend trope is a few different things. And all of these different things have to do with the fact that the sassy gay friend is is another sub male, just kind of mm-hmm. like the nerd was. Mm-hmm. And so the the sassy gay friend can never be the protagonist. Uh-huh. If he is the protagonist, it's usually in an ensemble. There's not one who's a hero. It tends to be like a group of them, kind of like the in Revenge of the Nerds or in like um, – Oh God! It's such a brain fart. TV show, bad nerd. Will and TV Grace. Show. No, bad nerd TV show. The nerd. I'm going back to the nerd trope. Big Bang Theory. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> it tends to. Just, <laughs> when did you start drinking today? <laughs> uh, about an hour ago. Um, ah, you're ahead of sorry, me. Too many brain beans. Too many brain beans. Brain farts. Um, so. In the, in the nerd type of sub-male, we tend to have them be, become ensembles and, mm-hmm. and or comedic, or usually both. Right. The sassy gay friend can never be the hero. He always has to be, at best, a well-regarded sidekick. Mm-hmm. But he, can't, he doesn't have any gravitas. He doesn't have any realism in his own character. He cannot be the protagonist of his own story because he represents a stereotype and the stereotype is and sort of not quite opposite to hegemonic masculinity but the sassy gay friend exhibits a lot of traits that are considered stereotypically feminine which means that he is not living up to the hegemonic masculine ideal and so therefore he is at best bullied at worst this is in real life at best right. bullied terribly at worst like beaten the shit out of and killed, you know, which is what happened to Matthew Shepard. And it even happens today. So that's where the problematic stuff happens with the sassy gay friend. And there's a lot of sassy gay friends. And actually there's a lot of sassy gay friends in satire and comedy mm-hmm. where we bring out these feminine qualities of this guy, because it's funny to see a guy act feminine, to see a guy act swishy, to see a guy act like this. It's right. funny. And so that's where the problematic aspects of it is. The toxicness, the toxicness of this trope happens when, and I think you pointed this out really well early in our earlier conversation, in the societal reaction to this trope, which is like, oh, that guy's right. a that guy's a swishy, sassy, you know, funny guy. He doesn't have any kind of gravitas. He's, we we can't take him seriously ever, pretty much. And he's always sort of a sidekick or he's like a, a third wheel in a, in a love triangle right. or, you know what I mean? Like he's never, he can't ever be a, a main character. There are some art, art movies that treat this differently, but that's right. an art movie. That's not a trope. <laughs> so that's where the sassy gay friend comes in. And there's a, there's the sub trope of this one called the terrifying leather daddy, but we can talk about that later. So I want you to give me your summary of the sassy gay friend does that make sense though all of that stuff i was just talking about i see you know i see where you're you're trying to go with it but again it's it's like i said the the thing that i that i saw when i read through um the outline and when i 
was looking at the uh, the video references. Um, part of the thing that I mean, I gave you several satires that were talking, like making fun of this whole thing, but because I think part of the reason that it doesn't that I, that I struggle with with the way your your outline is going in relation to the others is that you're that I feel like you know in our in our previous tropes we are looking at these these problematic images of masculinity you know yes. dealing with and 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 dealing with characters that represent those those problematic aspects of masculinity being having to be big having to be stoic having to be dominant and if you're not physically dominant having to find a way to become dominant through through subterfuge which is what the nerd does and and filling that you then become a neckbeard which is just a violent aggressive hateful tool and with this one um what i have a hard time seeing is is that the the problem i see with particularly with the sassy gay friend trope is that it's really just kind of a it's a way of gathering up, you know, the gay best friend stuff, the camp gay, you know, mm-hmm. people are funny tropes that yeah, already exist and tropes. just saying this is the now a blanket term for these tropes. And they're and they're and they're it's not exactly one. they're not exactly they're they are problematic of their own in that they are stereotypes of gay people. But again, it's it's what we have here is is in, the, in our previous ones, we have these tropes that represent this this hegemonic version of masculinity that the character that well that, except the nerd one us, doesn't the nerd well, it, one it represents, represents the- it represents someone who is attempting to be hyper masculine in order to gain that hegemonic thing right he's 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 he is being hyper masculine you know he's being um sneakier using his intelligence he's trying, he's, he's oh, trying to do the thing he is you know he's by dominating other nerds by dominating other nerds he is setting himself as a, up as the hegemonic male nerd right, right? and the gay friend is not even trying and and that's and that's just it so that's i mean that's why i think where we're pulling focus because we're pulling focus in how these characters attempt to live up and set a a standard of masculinity that cannot be attained whereas the gay friend and the terrifying leather daddy these characters aren't attempting to well the ter- terrifying leather terrifying leather daddy is totally different so let's just talk about the sassy gay friend first but the, yeah but the sassy gay friend and even uh, the sassy gay friend is not attempting to compensate for his lack of masculinity he's not attempting to he's not giving us he's not making us the the audience um, no, but he, you he know, also you know, cheer is, for his, is being his, punished. His, his success Any, anyone at, at, who displays sub, at achieving hyper-masculinity. Right, right. No, you're right. And this, this but, is more about... But any, any man who displays any of those characteristics is going to be very severely punished. Right. Which there is, is still a, what are you a fucking faggot? There is still that denigrating hate speech that happens even now. Right, but the problematic thing isn't the the way that character is is displaying or compensating for their lack of masculinity. It's it's with the external thing around it. Whereas the previous four were all about the the problematic way that these characters were displaying their masculinity. Right. And so it attempt to I don't attain see hegemonic. That that's a problem. It's just a difference. No, it's you're shifting focus on it. Which right. is which is you're you're not the problem isn't the 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 stereotypical characters, but the audience's reaction to it. 
Well, it's it's and so then, stereotypes then that are makes, damaging. Well, the fact that that the sassy gay friend, but the sassy gay friend in this context is problematic. Whether we umbrella all of them under your 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 new trope or break them out into the gay best friend trope into or the, the little specific trope, ones, yeah, yeah, or, the, or mm-hmm. the already established ones. That's what I'm. Yeah, you know, kind of. You know, there's Macho Camp, the sissy villain, which is kind of where the terrifying leather daddy fits under. Well, Macho and, Camp is that same thing, too. And again, these are stereotypes that are problematic in and of themselves that they are stereotypes of a, of a certain set of people. But wedging them into the dynamic we've established with the previous tropes we've talked about is, is, is you're, you're, in order to do that, you're having to pull the focus away from what those characters are doing and instead focusing on what the audience's reaction to the characters is. Because the audience is supposed to admire the first few that we've talked about, right? Or we're supposed to emulate them or we're supposed to see how these trope characters are attempting to well, they're they're doing their hyper masculinity and attempting to achieve hegemonic masculinity, right? And we're supposed to admire that. Whereas the sassy gay friend isn't trying to do any of that. Those characters are problematic because of the stereotypes so and then, unrealistic, so then shouldn't, uh, shouldn't. the unrealistic portrayals of men that are gay. But also that the characters themselves are not they're not part of the hyper masculine behaviors. However, they they are anyone portraying any of those characteristics will be punished for not living up to hegemonic. Ma- Do you see what I'm saying? Like but, it's still a matter whom? of by whom by the people who are watching and, and consuming the characters. How are but they this punishing is the same them? Thing with, well, I mean, men get beaten up and killed every day for being swishy. All the time. Then, but yet again, again, we're drawing this 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 trope that exists within a film and pulling out and saying that the real important thing about it is how it happens in real life. And well, we were kind of we wanting done that to, to every single one of these. But not, a, so but far, not, though? but that's not where we started. We started about how these characters. Yeah, we did. We these, we, we talked about, about how these how characters it happens in real life every single time. Yes, from, from but the we very get there beginning. from we get there by a process of yes, saying yes. here's how the character exists in the world of its story, and this is how men admiring yep. those characters attempt to live up to it. Whereas yes. what we're saying here is, here you have some swishy characters who are unrealistic, and so. Let's just go over here right away and say, and that makes people out in the real world attack gay people. That's that's too much of a, no, of a direct I, connection I would, and, and I leap. wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But I would say that's where the problematic aspects come in is is in the unrealistic portrayal of real men, which is what where all of the tropes come in. Does but, that make sense? But what, what we're missing is is the bridge. We're missing the connection. We're missing the way that the characters within the story treat these characters, which then allow people in the real world to say, oh, it's okay to treat the gay people in my life this way. That's what we're missing with this trope. Right. I would say that – good. Yeah, good, good call. So I would say that the way that the other characters treat these characters is either – prejudice or sweeping them or under the rug. condescending or, or something like yeah. that. So, so the trope is really 
Um, but they're not regarded how, as is, real is men. The, the trope then really is how I abuse my sassy gay friend. Well, yeah, or how I don't pay attention to him or don't or, think of him as a real man. So it's, it's, it's kind of like we did with the uh, I'm only here for my vagina trope. It's where the character represents something there to provide a um, something to the straight character who is um, either within that hyper-masculine realm or, or supporting or like with if it's a woman character supporting a hyper-masculine agenda. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. Right. So right. I, th no, that I think that's sense. the thing that's missing from, from the outline is, is we've got to have, because in the, all the previous ones, we've had this thing is that here's a character who acts a certain way within the context of the story. And, and then that takes people who admire that character in real life, trying to emulate that character. Well, if we're just focusing on the, on the sassy gay friend and how that sassy gay friend is less manly than me, the real person, well, we're, we're missing there's there's just as likely in that movie we'll take for instance um what was it my best friend's wedding the one with uh, mm -hmm. um rupert everett and and um you know he does not have you seen that movie no he does not represent the the swishy you know ow he doesn't fit into that trope of you send me of like the sassy gave in shorts with the guy. Right. That's, well, then no, that's not. He's so that doesn't represent it then. Right. I'm so about he's like the stereotypical type trope characters. Right. But what I'm saying is that different. is that what we have to do is we have you, we have to identify where it is in, in these situations where these these straight people who have these sassy gay friends. Are able to exert their. You know, gender superiority over this person that does not live up to that thing. Well, I mean, we're talking in, in this case about like good representations of characters that not trope characters. Right. In that exactly. Case. That's the, that's the point I'm trying to make is that in, in the previous ones we, we have, when we talked about, um, we've had antidote characters, we've had antidote characters. And so yeah. we have, right. What makes, is it just the portrayal of Rupert Everett's character in, in My Best Friend Wedding that makes it the antidote? Or is it the way that um, Julia Roberts' character treats him that also makes it an antidote? You see, that's, that's the thing. That's yeah, the well, dynamic would, that we have to get onto well, is how – because yeah. we can't have a problematic masculine trope without the tension being in between that the character we're focusing on, which is going to be the gay character, and the way the straight characters that – the straight audience is going to identify with and see that reaction. Does that make sense? And I don't see I that, that in the, in the essay it's, here. It's in, more than that. It's more about how the, the sassy gay friend trope and not the realistic portrayal of gay men. That's a completely right. different thing. And, and we didn't have to do this with the female tropes for some reason, which I find kind of interesting too. We're not finding real life differences we're not finding antidotes with the female characters which i'm i'd like to have a whole nother podcast episode about that but um it's about how the sassy gay friend is another version of a sub male and they right. are treated as such when it's a trope character not when it's a good realistic portrayal of a gay man there's all kinds of stuff like that because they're male characters we have lots more of them than we have female characters therefore we have plenty of antidotes chances 
that we don't really have with the badass female tropes. So yeah, there are portrayals of that too. And I, I don't know, I would kind of also be careful about only looking at this particular trope stereotype character as he is in relation to straight characters. Okay. I don't know that I am comfortable with that completely. I think that you're right in that this has a different focus and that the reason that this trope is a problem is in the way other characters view him as opposed to how he is attempting to be himself. Right. Because it's the way that other characters view this character that, that provides the lens for social perception. Yes. And, and, and if we even go further than that, like if we talk about the other tropes, we're talking about like people who consume these tropes mm-hmm. are, if they're swallowing them, you know, whole without right. thinking about them. So they're, they're just consuming these tropes and they are supposed to admire these trope characters for various reasons that we've gone over. Right. Mm-hmm. Or that in, and even with the other sub male trope that we talked about last time, they're at least supposed to admire their chutzpah. They're supposed to admire their like, you know, stick with itness right. and their attempts. At, at, at some point, the audience case, is being asked in the previous ones to identify with the character. To identify with them, right? And in this case, it's it's not. It's the opposite. They're asked to sweep this character under the rug to think of them as a minor person, no matter what kind of character they are. But are they? And that, that I think is where the problematic aspect of it lies. I mean, a trope it just means that it's a repeated thing that you see all the time. It doesn't right. necessarily right. mean it's a negative thing. Right. When it's a problematic thing, means that it's a stereotype and it's unrealistic yeah. and it's unfair. When it's toxic, it means that the people who are who are consuming this trope are meant to look at this character with either downgraded views, you know, or, or like they're supposed to be only a, a comedic relief when everything, whenever anything actually serious happens, they're, they're, they're nowhere to be found. But then that, doesn't meant then, for, that, then that not necessarily can apply to just gay characters. It's the sassy gay friend. No, it's this, it's the sassy gay friend trope. I'm talking about this particular trope. Not just all gay characters. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is that that type of thing where you have a, a character that is that is supposed to be seen as lesser than something else that it, and it's just there for comedic relief. It's just I mean, there's you. you no, very specifically because of their gay. I hope that my air mm-hmm. quotes are very audible. <laughs> my audible air quotes, their gay characteristics it's this whole fear of being of, of appearing feminine of having feminine traits of what whatever this uh, hegemonic masculine society deems as feminine traits because specifically of those feminine traits right. this character is deemed as lesser than they cannot be their own hero they're funny because a man who acts like a girl is funny right all the time they can't and a girl actually who be acts a like human. a man is funny so no, a girl who acts like a man is a tomboy, and it's, that's that's such a whole different thing. That's a whole different kind of trope. A girl who acts like a man is not always funny. A man who acts like a girl is always funny. Mm-hmm. Always. I don't know. I think we have well, a different definition is, of. I think is. we have a different definition of funny because there have well, been a lot I mean, of there have been I'm lately about, there have been lately a lot of of women acting like men. 
and being funny. I mean, the entire um, Bridesmaids movie was. Yes. Oh, there, there is that. Yes, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, not always. It's not immediate. Like a woman acts manly. She's not always hilarious. A man acts like a girl or dresses like a girl or whatever. That is most often trope wise. I'm talking trope wise in Hollywood, not in real life. Yeah. Real life. Well, I so am I. Real life, everyone's there's, different. There's lots of, of men are usually funny when they're when they're per- perceived as feminine. It's funny, and we look back at the nerd trope and look back at those videos about the Big Bang Theory. That's exactly where a lot of the humor in yeah. that show comes from. Is when the the men in that show are perceived as being even more sub male than they are, which means that they're perceived as more feminine and the more and more feminine the man appears, so then, the then more how, funny, how, the what's less the, serious. What's the differentiation him. between that and this aside from the fact that these characters are gay? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe there isn't, maybe they're both one, you know, cause again, I mean, my, like I said, my big well, thing is I'm, uh, you I'm, know what, actually, Actually, I think that you pinpointed the difference between the two. I think that your talk with me last time about the nerd and especially separating the nerd from the neckbeard, mm-hmm. I think that you pinpointed that very well in that the thing about the nerd is that they are a very actually a very similar sub male. In fact, you probably couldn't tell the difference between them, especially if you look at the character Raj from Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. except that the nerd is trying to be the hegemonic masculine ideal. The nerd is is doing the hyper-masculine behaviors and they are actually downgrading their friends in an attempt right. to get to that point. Whereas the sassy gay friend is actually even more the stereotype of the sassy gay friend is that the sassy gay friend is actually more of a woman than he is of a than he is a man. Mm-hmm. And so he's not attempt he's not doing the hyper-masculine behaviors to attempt to be the hegemonic masculine ideal. But the comedy that comes with and the not taking the character seriously come, still does come from the sub-male thing, the, oh, you appear feminine, you have all these feminine traits. Right. So that that kind of core of it or the base of it right. is and still but the same. But here's the thing then, by not being the focus of the story then, what makes it different than the the already established tropes that we've seen aside from not being the center of the story, what makes them different from the regular gay best friend stuff or camp gay or queer people are funny. What makes that's it all, different? That's all that it's all an umbrella that uh, sassy gay friend is an umbrella. And all of those are more specifically descripting ways of describing the same trope. Unless we start talking about the terrifying leather daddy, in which case another of those other tropes, like two of those would would describe that one. I would say the sassy gay friend is a way to describe all of what happened to your beer. Fucking that. <laughs> your listeners are going to have no idea. Some flying I'm, I'm watching Jason put his hand in his beer and go, what the fuck? You're going to drink the gnat? Why would you drink the gnat? Well, I didn't drink the gnat. I got it out. But, you know, if it did, oh, it was protein. Ew. Gross. More protein. More protein. Because I have to get big, Right. Right, because you have to do hyper-masculine <laughs> behaviors in order to achieve your unrealistic hegemonic masculine ideal. Um, speaking of that, can we yeah. go on to the um, the basic set, uh, summary of the terrifying leather daddy, who is a subtrope? He's not 
the same thing, but he's a subtrope because it has to do with the terror of homosexuality. Well, go ahead. I, I, I'm, I'm still trying to. Does that make sense, though? Can you see the difference there and also the similarity? Mm-mm. No, I still don't, I'm still not convinced. OK, well, I mean, maybe we just need to, like, keep writing and talking about it. You know, because I think I think I think for the uh, your questions have actually clarified this to for me it, to, a lot. For like, me, I for totally it, get it now. For me, <laughs> so. rather than it being a trope by itself, it's it's part, I think, of a larger trope of when it when it of, of how we how we portray, you know, um, one of the things that went on with the problematic badass female tropes was that there was always the the tension between what they were trying to do, the badass female character, and the punishment that was leveled against them for being a badass, right? Right. And I still see this in this trope, so I'm not seeing how you're not seeing it. I don't, because in none of the outlines here do I see how they're being punished, aside from being secondary characters and that's not a problem that's not a sure it is that's a writer problem not a character problem yes it is of course it is why can't we ever have a a gay man as a protagonist oh we do because we no we don't when i don't how do we have a male how do we have a gay male hero Specifically, a sassy gay male hero, not a not a cis, like hegemonic, basically, except that he's homosexual male hero. When do we ever have him as a central protagonist telling his actual story instead of being a stereotype and a sidekick? Um, There's a show called The Real O'Neill's. A family's bond is strengthened when the youngest son tells his parents that he's gay. Have you seen it? No. Have you? Okay. No. <laughs> okay. I mean, I was, I was just, I mean, I just, all I did, all I did was, was query and went to IMDB looking for TV shows with gay lead characters. Right. Well, I would need to look at that and see, is he, is he, So know. there's yeah. 13 Reasons Why follows teenager Clay Jensen in his quest to uncover the story behind his classmate and crush Hannah and her decision to end her life. Apparently that's got yeah, a gay that's different. lead. Yeah, that um, one doesn't. That one is is the Halcyon, the story classic. of a bustling and glamorous five star hotel at the center of London society and the world at war. Riverdale apparently has a gay lead. Scam has a gay lead. Class has a gay lead. Eyewitness, Barracuda, the real O'Neills, crashing, Shadow Hunters, Merley, This Life, London Spy, Cuffs, uh, Boy Meets Girl, Grace and Frankie. Oh, Grace and Frankie. Is that Will and Grace? No, no, Grace and Frankie with uh, Jane Fonda and uh, Lily Tomlin. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Schitt's Creek. Banana. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Isn't, isn't she the main, main character? Well, she is the, but the other lead is her friend. Um, what's his name? No, not other lead. No, that's her friend. That's her sassy gay friend. That does not count. Yeah, Titus Burgess is one of the leads. He is a gay male lead in that. Not not one of the leads. The central hero, the protagonist. Not one of the leads. Not the guy who's going to get best supporting actor. The central character. The one that the story is about. Not her best friend. Oh, and then there's the birdcage, if you really want to get with gay male characters that are at the center of the movie. Yep. Those are two. 
but they're also portrayed as being really comedic and they don't really have anything. You know what I mean? I see where you're getting at, but I'm, I'm still, I'm just, I think you're absolutely right that we, that I need to like be super detailed about this. I need to watch a lot of things because you're not seeing where the problem is. Is that what it is? I'm seeing that the the stereotype itself is a problem. The fact that he can't be a hero. the, The, the thing that I see is that I see that obviously when you have the, the, you know, the gay best friend, the gay sidekick, the, the queer people are funny trope. Those are problematic because of the way that they, they, they stereotypically treat gay people. And, 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 the, and use them as comedic relo- relief and, 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 right. and remove them from their own story. Right, but, right. And to me, that's problematic in and of itself. It doesn't need this umbrella term unless this umbrella term can be somehow s- brought to show that this is, is because even though you, you have made this point that your, your focus is on problematic male tropes the we already have but what, we, what we're looking at is the way that it creates toxicity as well which is which is exactly that it's that this is this kind of character can never be a real man because he is feminized because of all of these characteristics that no, are I, considered I, I, not hegemonic masculine that's where it fits in right but that in and of itself that in and of, of itself of doesn't constitute toxicity sure it does no that's just plain old homophobia that's toxic isn't it why is that not toxic why why is considering depends upon your degree of homophobia though doesn't it just like it does with with repression of your repression and control of your emotions i mean when it's when it's that's toxic not all the time. Like, you know, there's a difference between having control of your emotions, well, which, control, is, which is, which is knowing what yeah. your emotions are, being able to express them, to feel them, but right. keeping them contained and being yeah. sloppy with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's homophobia, and then there's toxic homophobia, no, which, is, which is the homophobia that leads to violence and aggression. But, I disagree. But without this... I don't think you can have... I don't think both of those things exist. I think they do. You can't, you can't have homophobia... And have it not be toxic because the whole the whole point about the mm. toxic masculine thing, because, of course, let's let's reiterate yet again, toxic masculinity is not masculinity. Toxic masculinity is this unrealistic ideal of hegemonic masculinity. Right. That's stupid. Right. It does not mean it's not real life. It's not how real men mm-hmm. need to or should be. But it's this weird ideal that all men are expected to live up to. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what homophobia is. Homophobia is that. It's like, oh, you're a fucking faggot. You are feminized. You are you're squishy. Mm-hmm. You are not really masculine. You aren't all of these things that are supposed to be masculine. That's what homophobia is. And it's also also a fear of, of homosexuality in particular, which is a whole other monster. The fear of homosexuality and the fear of penetration is a whole other thing we could go on about with like psychological stuff and everything. But I, there's no difference between there is no such thing as homophobia versus toxic homophobia. It's the sure same thing. If you're sure denigrating there a man, there's, there's denigrating a, there, a man there are for ways, being a there are ways to display homophobia that are not violent. Yes, but that toxic doesn't mean violent always. No, but. 
to to display homophobia is being toxic, whether violent or no. Just like being displaying racism is toxic. Well, it's, it's definitely whether being an asshole, but no. I don't know that it constitutes toxicity in the way that well, that's that we framed it up already is. It's before. Being toxic as as an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I would say no. I would say there's a difference between being an asshole and being a toxic asshole. Speaking as an asshole, I would just well, say I, okay, you know what? that there is a line. I'm also an asshole, and I agree with that. However, I do not agree <laughs> that there is a difference between homophobia. There is no such thing as plain I, old homophobia, which is sure fine. there is. And toxic homophobia. No, there is not. Sure there is. No. No, I totally disagree. I'm not going to agree with you about that. So, if you're oh, homophobic, so you can toxic. you can be scared of gay people because you don't know any gay people. That's different. Being and then you can be then you can be scared different. of gay people because you are secretly scared of your own homosexuality and therefore must violently repress and suppress that. That's toxic. Being scared of gay people because you don't know any isn't toxic. It's just ignorance, and that can be remedied. Toxic okay. homophobia cannot Let's, be remedied because it's about the self-repression, about what's going on inside of you, the fear that you are yeah. secretly that gay person, and yeah, so yeah. you must punish the gay person because that's a way to okay. assert it and that's, so that's different than just true. being like gay people However, are, are scare me because you don't have some weird idea you don't know what they're really like you don't realize that a gay person is not the stereotype that okay. we see in this let film me, but just the me, weirdo down the street that <laughs> let me redefine this then okay it's not what's going on in your brain that's the problem and that's the toxic thing what's going on in your brain mm -hmm. You're, if you're scared of gays, okay, I'm sorry. Hopefully you can work through that. That's cool. Right, right. I'm not saying you. I'm saying, uh, quote, unquote, you. That's <laughs> fine. You know, I'm sorry, and I hope that you can work through that, and I hope that you can have the intelligence and the you know, right. openness to be able to work through that. It's not the what's going on in your own brain. Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the things you say and do that makes you homophobic, that makes you toxic. If you call someone a faggot as a, you know, hate speech, which it just basically is right. now, right? that's toxic. Punching a, a gay guy in the face uh -huh. because you hate him because you're afraid that you are gay, also toxic. Mm -hmm. Now, there are various degrees, obviously, just, just flinging hate speech is not the same as killing Matthew Shepard, right. torturing him and killing him right. against a fence. Like these two things are, are not the same right. action, right. but they are both toxic actions. Do you see what I'm saying? That's why I say there's no such and, thing as And then you told me I couldn't bring up okay. violence, but all you've done is, is talk about either verbal micro verbal aggressions or physical aggressions. And, and where is the, because one of the things we have to talk about is, well, that's what is, it is. It's about this, but, but this is the thing. In these situations where we're looking at the gay best friend stuff and we're trying to roll all this under gay is funny, all this other stuff into these tropes, it's usually the best friend, right? So how – so this is where the trope has – this is where your, your problematic trope has to exist then in my understanding. It has to exist within the dynamic between your straight character and your gay best friend. This is where that problematic thing has to be. Right? No, I think that the problematic aspect of it is the fact that that no, the fact that the gay best friend can't ever be the straight hero. 
or if they are, it's all about like, it's, it's a movie about being gay. Like, you know what I'm saying? They can't just be like, you can't have Indiana Jones be a gay guy. I think, I think, I think you're making, I think you're making the same point I'm making and we're just not using the same language because, because this is, because this is, that's the problem. (laughs) That's the thing is that the reason you have a gay best friend as a side character or a sidekick is because they are gay and can't be the hero. And so that tension has to be, what is the heteronormative thing that's going on in this dynamic between your straight lead, whether it's a man or a woman and their gay best friend that relegates this character character to second class status to be to be diminished yeah. to be looked down on this is where your trope has to exist yes. not no, within right. not within the, right. how that character how the gay character is representative that's a component of it the trope is yes. in the relationship yes. between the two true because that's what establishes the primacy of straightness or manness right cuz that's the over normal, the gayness right? yeah right yeah, that's yeah, where okay. it has okay. to exist yeah yeah no that makes sense See, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Right. That's where I've been trying to get to the whole time because that's just by itself. It's, it's the gay friend trope or it's the gay people are funny trope where, where you have to get the, the masculinity involved in it is how we establish the primacy of. Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. I see. I see. It's, it's like a hierarchical kind of thing. Right. Which is what, which when you're dealing with masculinity, everything is hierarchical. Of course it is. More so than it is with women. It's all hierarchical with men and you cannot have a problematic masculinity, anything without first establishing what the hierarchy is. What the hierarchy is. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. No, you're right. You're right. Oh, and so that, that's the interesting thing too. Cause like what you were talking about before is that, this is our first maybe um, problematic trope that is not either high up on the hierarchy or is try- not trying to mm-hmm. get up in the hierarchy. It's just down in the hierarchy, and that's why it's a problem. Right, because if, if, you have a, yeah. if you have your sassy gay best friend who's attached to a female lead, what is he trying to do? He's trying to get the female lead attached to a dude. Yeah, straight right? dude. And if you have the sassy gay friend, <laughs> not to, a bi dude. Right. If you have the sassy gay friend attached to a male character, what's he trying to do? Get that male character to get a woman, which a is woman. all about yeah. establishing sexual dominance. And so yep. this yep. is. Yep. Oh, that's the mm-hmm, hierarchy. Right. I think that's the key word that you just pinpointed. That it's yes. it's, it's gendered sexualized hierarchy and hierarchy. And, and yes, you can start Gendered to develop a sexualized hierarchy. Thank you. And so it has to yes. be that relationship between yep. it's the sassy gay crutch, if you want to call it that. <gasps> the sassy gay crutch. Does it snap? It goes like this. <laughs> yeah, because that character is really only there. And yeah, he might get a side story like in uh, Reality Bites. Yeah, like maybe he hopefully he's well portrayed, quote unquote. But he's still there to help establish the main storyline, which is the primacy and the dominancy of 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 heterosexual relationship, which is the epitome of patriarchy. Patriarchy demands heterosexual relationships. Well said. Right. Always there. It's it's okay. Yes. (laughs) Right. Thank you. Okay. We're totally Cause, yeah, because that okay, that's what I'm trying to say. And you this, thought we were going to have a fight. God. We did have a fight. It was we really did not have fight a fight. Too. We had a debate, like a couple of rational drinking human beings. <laughs> a couple of rationally <laughs> drinking intellectuals. <laughs>
just we have actual debates like a couple of drunk intellectuals. God damn it. And people think we just make jokes about <sighs> bad assholes and demon babies. <laughs> and we do that. And we do that in an intellectual and drunk manner. Oh, it's th- oh but my. But we God. also solve the world's fucking problems. You have, you okay, have so never already- had a snooty drunk demon baby asshole before. <laughs> <laughs> I've had several. It didn't make any damn sense. Who let the no. demon baby out? You know what? I have. I'm fine. I'm not going <laughs> to describe to your listeners what I have in front of me that I'm consuming right now. I think that this whole thing about centering on hierarchy in particular with this trope, especially with a subtrope, is so important. And that makes total sense. And we are saying the same thing. And you're right. Right. Okay. You just Great. needed. It's just like, you know, when because your your outline was rushed together off of basically a paragraph description and what we're doing yeah. is we're doing some of the stuff that i think you had maybe imagined us doing as you were writing the essays which was having a discussion yeah. to kind of help you clarify what the thing is of course yeah the other ones we are, we did after they they were already published so I already had it all like, and then set and up. then the nerd and the neckbeard was just a matter of differentiating between you know the nerd being the one who's trying to fit in any way he can and the neckbeard's yeah. like fuck you we'll just kill everybody yeah 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 no you're you were right about that too that's a whole different dynamic and that was really cool to find out yeah and now now you can get into now you can get into talking about how this trope takes you know non-standard um male identities and treats them as second class as worthless yep. as diminished it's how how we how we sit out there and 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 we don't we don't take you know because the hetero thing is the only real thing right yeah right. And so and that, that's yeah yeah we, oh that's it, really that, interesting that, whole, that justifies resistance to to um to a marriage between two men or marriage between two women is yeah why the fuck would you care man it's not about that it's about between a man and a woman because jesus had a thing and it's like what the fuck Who you cares? know what jesus is probably fucking at least half of his apostles but whatever oh no i'm gonna like lose all of our listeners <laughs> yeah. right now no, all of them i i think you i think you totally misunderstand the the demographic of this podcast okay well i mean you're in kansas <laughs> but good i'm glad so can I just say like two sentences about the terrifying leather daddy and like yeah. let me write no. about it now that we see now that we said this about hierarchy uh-huh. and that the hetero is the only real giant loud air quotes thing. Mm-hmm. That's a great thing to center this entire essay on. So right. And it also puts it also, daddy, it also frames the leather daddy as well. Yes. The terrifying leather because this because is, what the leather daddy is, is he has the he has he's big He's muscular. Mm-hmm. He's dominant, usually violently, usually sexually violently, right. which is all usually the realm of the heterosexual male hero, the hegemonic male hero, mm-hmm. in fact, except for one big difference. And so there's that terror then of of either being treated like a female or being seen as female. Right, because the terrifying leather daddy has the potential to not only defeat the heterosexual male lead, yeah. but to fucking penetrate him no, badly. No, exactly. Right. To that, and in that way to defeat him, to make him into the role of the, of the female in this right. kind of a horribly truncated Hollywood vision of gender. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And that totally makes sense, too. If oh, I'm yeah. looking at hierarchy, then that's you just why the terrifying know, leather you daddy just, is terrifying. 
you just know when that guy in in Thunder Road got a hold of Mad Max, the first thing he was going to do is punish that butt. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and that's why he's scary, right? That's scary to the straight men. Well, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. And because he's big in, and strong like a straight thing. man, he's scary <clears throat> to everybody, but he's particularly and scary. And, and dominant and violently dominant and sexually violently mm-hmm. dominant. All of those things are very important. So he should, he should be particularly frightening <laughs> yes. to the yep. straight man. Yep. Okay, so no, that's great. because Okay, so now we have – I'm going to put hierarchy on my outline again. I'm going to put it down there again. Because that's yeah, very important. Yeah, because the hierarchy is the central thing. Because all of all the gay best friends there are supporting. Yes. Because then I have at the bottom here of my of my outline. Let me just read this to you, listeners and Jason. Mm-hmm. These both, both the sassy gay friend and the terrifying leather daddy, are both problematic and toxic because they they represent a feminized, dehumanized, or monsterized gay male character. So it's not realistic. And it's either opposite to or it's a mockery of the giant air quotes norm, which is the heterosexual hegemonic male character. Right. And so this is about the hierarchy. And the reason why the sassy gay friend can never be up in the hierarchy is because he is he does not live up to the hegemonic masculine unrealistic ideal. And the reason why the terrifying leather daddy is terrifying is because he lives up to every single part of the hegemonic masculine ideal, except for one very big difference, which is what makes him a threat in the high, within this hierarchy that we're talking about. Right, but you've got to set up the hierarchy first for these to be. No, exactly. Because the, hierarchy needs because to be the, the terrifying first thing leather daddy about. is 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 subservient to the to the male villain well but but the right? terrible Who, is, is, is often the male villain or can be the male villain and and when you're dealing with the uh, you know the gay friend thing they're they're both contrasts to the hegemonic masculine ideal in different ways but it has to do with this hierarchy which is the most important thing i need to talk about that First and foremost. Right. They're there to support the patriarchal standard. Yes. That has to be the thing that we have to that yes. you have to establish first. Exactly. Otherwise it's just otherwise you're just regurgitating those other tropes. Other tropes, yeah. Yeah. And tying them into the 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 way that patriarchy needs to reinforce itself by domination, by subservience, by yep. enforcing a hierarchy. That's the way that these these portrayals of, of non-standard masculinity become problematic. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Okay, great. Easy. Awesome. <laughs> I'll bang this out. I'll bang this out yeah, real quick. Easy. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that took no time. Hey, we figured it out. <laughs> All it took was a drunken intellectual debate. Right. In under an hour, no As less. it all does as it always does with you and i right we've done this every single time we've gotten together and gotten intellectually drunk right speaking of (laughs) of non sequiturs not that we were speaking of non sequiturs which is the perfect non sequitur (laughs) (laughs) i just discovered a weird hole in my shorts (laughs) wait what (laughs) we were talking about penetration well 
Yeah, speaking of non sequiturs, which, considering we weren't speaking of non sequiturs, makes it the perfect non sequitur for a non sequitur. We were talking about terrifying leather daddies, and I found a hole in my shorts. That's definitely not a non sequitur. That's just a Freudian slip. That's a Freudian hole, is what it is. Your Freudian slip is showing. (laughs) Your Freudian slip is crossless. Yeah, I am wearing underwear, though. Thank you. This one. Yeah, no, this is great. I'm going to just put hierarchy all over my outline right now. I've, I, I still have it shared with you, so you're going to be like, okay, stop. But no, that's fine. I've, I've closed the iPad, so I can't follow anything. But, but no, because this trope has to where, – where it gets – where it turns problematic, we've decided how it is problematic. And where it turns toxic is the way that it reinforces our perception is of, of non-straight, non-binary – non-conforming people as, as less hierarchy. than Patriarchy and, hierarchy yep. and when you can view someone as less than in the real yep. world you can be cruel to them you can be this abusive is, you can be you violent yes yep. exactly yep. and that's exactly that's the thing that that we you know this this i've been waiting kind of to bring this out because this is one of my favorite oh. dan savage quotes is it coming out of your and hole in your shorts? No. Okay. <laughs> um, one of my favorite Dan Savage quotes, and it's actually a quote that echoes to something that they call the tolerance paradox, which is an, an established thing in, in philosophy and psychology mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The Dan Savage quote goes, um, being intolerant of other people's intolerance is tolerance acting in its own defense. Uh-huh. And this actually relates back to something actually, that's actually called the tolerance paradox, which is that a society that is truly paradox. that is truly openly tolerant to everything will eventually allow those people who are the most intolerant to take control of it. And so for a uh, tolerant society okay. to truly be tolerant, it must be ruthless in weeding out those people who are intolerant. Right. Okay. So, so whenever the fucking right wing, you know, gets mad at liberals for telling them to shut up, and they go, "I thought you were a liberal and you were tolerant." It's like, I am tolerant until you start attacking other people, and then I'm going to be an intolerant motherfucker and smack you down. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's that the tolerance sense. paradox: yeah, is that you cannot, paradox. as a tolerant person, tolerate, tolerate. intolerance. Shit. Yeah. Right. You yeah. can tolerate a lot. You can tolerate other sexualities. You can tolerate other religious beliefs. But the well, minute even somebody that, even around that word you tolerate is kind of like, okay, come on, right? But you're just tolerating me, or do you well, like, you know, consider me a person? And fundamentally, to have a functioning society, all you need is to tolerate other people. Well, that's true. Yeah, you no, don't have to true. agree don't have with to love them. Everybody. I don't have to. I don't have to agree with. Um, the tenets of of the Church of Satan. I don't have to tenets, agree. Not the, tenets. I don't have to agree with the tenets of 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 oh Christianity or Buddhism. I don't have to agree with any of that. All I have to do is let them is tolerate them to let them be. Yeah, right. And that's when it turns into right. a problem. Is when the other. But if I decide suddenly, tenets, tenets, tenets. Sorry, I am, I am slurring my speech, which oh, you okay. should expect oh, we're, we're to happen. Drugs. Okay, sorry, intellectual drugs. Never mind, sorry. 
but yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And as long as you can at least tolerate, all we need to expect of people is fine. tolerance. We don't have to, ex- we don't have to demand or, ex- or, you can or go farther and that's require acceptance. Good for you. But, but all you need is tolerance. All you need is tolerance. La, la, right. la, la, la. <laughs> you don't have to like, you know, somebody's loud you music. Need. You don't have to embrace it. You don't have to become a fan of it. You just have to be tolerant of it. Okay with it. Tolerance is all you need. You know, and and we forget that. But you and yeah. you're not going to have a functional society if you allow intolerance free right. reign. Because uh, the, yeah. Because Gestures then you're allowing someone everything. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. that's this is what this is what the fucking right wing is doing right now. Is just, you have to tolerate my bigotry and allow me to be intolerant of other people or you're not nope. really tolerant. No, fuck you. No, you're an asshole. I'm going to shut you down. Free speech is not hate speech. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. exactly. Religious freedom is not the freedom to persecute others for their religion. So on and so forth. And right, 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 right. Yeah, well said. Yeah. Yeah, so this this is kind of where this trope has to live. Yes, it does. Is in how it how these characters within the confines of the and the confines and the context of the story. Yes. Reinforce um patriarchal the hi- intolerance the and, and yeah, the, the hierarchy. Patriarchal intolerance. exactly. Patri- yeah. yeah, exactly. No, that's and that's totally going to be a challenging thing true. to do because that's a delicate, delicate, hidden, you know, fine line. That's that's like the secret power yeah. of patriarchy, man, is that mm-hmm. hierarchical enforcement. Challenge accepted. I find it really interesting. And, that, I, and, um, and you are smart enough to do it. Oh, that's a lovely thing to say. Thank you very much. What the f- people tell me I'm a. Sexist. What are you doing? You're a weirdo. You're not sexist, but you're yeah. a weirdo. Sorry, I do have cats that test my patience. <laughs> they're so cute, though. I know they're very I, mad I, at I me because like I spent like, most of the weekend out. But that's another story for after we're recording. I find it really interesting the difference between talking about the problematic toxic masculinity tropes and mm-hmm. talking about the problematic badass female tropes. Mm-hmm. It's been really interesting. I find it fascinating, and I'm probably going to go like more forth in it more in more detail, like as we go through the next two. But right, I think it's really interesting that we're talking so much more about about the people that consume the tropes, whereas in the problematic bass female tropes, we're talking a little bit about that and about how the damage that those right. tropes can cause. Like, we, you know, of course I covered it, but it seems like it's really centered on how these tropes are affecting real men and women right. in real life. And I think that's, I think that's really fascinating. And I think it's like you were saying before, we're trying no, to figure out why I agree. I think it's because like what you're saying, it's like, well, you know, we've had feminism for a while. And also the fact that like everything is a male character at this point too, like still, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have sort of more more of that to, to look at. But I don't know. I, I, I just I'm finding it very interesting and I'm not sure I have any conclusions well, about it at this point. But right. I think it's I think it's fascinating. And I'm really I'm really um, thankful for all the dialogue about about all of it, because it seems like we're opening 
we're opening these tropes up into a lot more context than I was doing in the other ones. Right. Well, it's not that there is not a lot of social context to the problematic badass female tropes. Oh, there totally I is. Mean, yeah, there totally is, and that's the as and. And probably some of it is like I like I had said, you know, have something to do with the fact that we've had we've had feminism for quite a long while, and and the remedy to um, poorly portrayed women in in is to get is more to, women is to, to get more women, but yeah. in a patriarchal society, yeah. right? That's not the answer to the problematic <laughs> male tropes because most of the, the media is controlled by all of it anyway. are making it, yeah, and. Right. And then you have to get really into into the hierarchy, right? Yeah. So yeah. the men who are in charge of making the media, they're very invested in maintaining their hierarchical privileged status. Oh, and, and now they, they're all coming down. So, They've all been like pedophiles and shit at this point. Right. Now but all even like then, down. even then, there's still even though you have. Even though you have, you know, the uh, um, the Harvey Weinstein's who have taken a fall, and some of these other guys that have taken a fall, the Whedon's and the yeah. Well, Whedon's fall wasn't that precipitous. No, he, it wasn't. But he was not a serial rapist. He was just a philanderer. No. Right. Right, and there's a difference. It's not much of a difference. It's Still not. Toxic. It's not, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, and it's not that one isn't toxic and the other isn't, but there is a, mm-hmm. there is a. No, it's a gradation, right? Right, because Harvey it's, it's Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein was, was. Or Epstein, right? Weinstein, like it, Harvey a, Weinstein. Lev- Harvey no, I know, Weinstein. I'm not talking about, but I am talking about like what oh, Epstein, Jeffrey was Epstein doing. Yeah, Jeff, we're talking Jeff about Ripsey. the media thing, but no, I know, but I mean, like, he was a part of the whole thing too. Right. Like, he wasn't a a media guy, but he was a part of the whole thing. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there there are gradations of like criminality, basically. <laughs> you know, Weinstein made his his sexual passes, can you know, and and really put women's career, you know, blatantly put women's yeah. career on oh, the yeah. on the line if they did not total casting couch, yeah, on the casting couch thing. Whereas Absolutely. I think, I think Whedon's was not any. Whedon's Whedon's transgressions were not as egregious. He didn't. Well, it's just, like I said, it's it's just, it's just a hierarchy of like criminality, basically. Like Whedon was a creep. He was he was a creep, but he was and not. And Weinstein was a criminal. Right. You know. And and the big the big sin that Whedon committed was lying to his wife. More yeah, than anything right, else, right? Because which if kind they, of the son of our business, right? Which if he and his <laughs> wife had agreed to have a had, you know, mutually agreed to have an open relationship, then his attempting to seduce his female leads would not have been a problem. And we shouldn't have known about any of that, to right? Be honest, but you know, whereas Weinstein saying, "If you want this part, fuck me." Yeah, right. That's <sighs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know. No, there there are definitely gradations. I totally right. agree with so that. So that doesn't make them either one of them less of a creep. Just makes one no, of them more of a just, criminal. Right, 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 right. <laughs> more of a lecherous, manipulative, you know, patriarchal douche canoe than than the other one. Douche canoe. They're both they're, they're back. both jerks. They're both creeps. But you know. But anyway, that was just what I wanted to say about that. It's just that I find it very interesting that. There's a lot right. more sort of conversation that opens up 
these concepts a lot more in these conversations right. than there were in the other ones. And I just think that's yeah. really cool. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm glad. Well, I'm because glad there's, because there's, because with, with the female tropes, there's really only one direction. And it's up into the, the, the stratosphere of power, you know? Um, right, 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 right. You have to think of patriarchy as, as a ladder and white men are at the top. Yeah, exactly. And and minority women are at the bottom, and mm-hmm. the uh, the Combahee River Collective, which was a collective of of my of women of color, lesbians, socialists, and feminists. Wow. Um, in the seventies, who have been kind of my guiding light politically and socially. My my wow. my rule, because I was put this out on the podcast. Whatever. I've been a socialist since I was sixteen. Cool. And when I was in college, I took a philosophy of feminism course, and I mm-hmm. had some interesting experiences with that class. And I'm not saying yeah, you're talking the, about that, yeah. I'm not saying that that's the thing that that suddenly makes me brilliant. I'm still a flawed fucking asshole. I'm still a white male in a white male patriarchal society. So I'm and you're a cis hetero man, yeah. Right, and I I swim in the water, sure. and sometimes it's hard for me to recognize the fact that I'm swimming in water that benefits me. Yeah, but you like totally recognize that though, which makes right. it that doesn't that mean I don't better. fall victim to it some from sure, time to of time. Of course, of course. Right? But I have a rule when it comes to you know being active in a bigger scope. Mm-hmm. I may still occasionally be asshole an asshole to women I know, um, but I'm also an asshole to men that I know. So generally, I'm just an asshole. <laughs> Um, gender doesn't, (laughs) gender really doesn't have anything to do with it. No, I know. I'm an asshole too. I'm an asshole. You're an asshole. Wouldn't you like to To be be an an asshole asshole too? too. Right. So anyway, (laughs) the point being is that ever since that course, what I've believed, and I strongly believe it, and this is what I base my political philosophy on is that, is that I tend to vote with the black ladies, whoever, whoever the women of color are voting for. That's who I'm going to vote That's for. That's who you, you join them. Because That's a really good rule because of thumb, the, I would think. Because the end of the Combahee River Collective says they quoted, they quoted a writer whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. And the, and the quote basically goes, I don't know what role straight white men can play in this revolution since they are the embodiment of the patriarchal structure. They're what we're rebelling against, right? Right. And I'm sick. Yeah. And I've been wrestling with that for, oh my God, it's been almost 30 years mm-hmm. since I took that course. You know, how then being, being a, a cisgendered straight white male, right? How the of, f- of, of moderate means. Right. I'm not, I'm not economically powerful in any fucking way, but I do have but a you're certain. you're not poor. I'm not poor. I mean, you're not in, you're not in poverty. You're not like you're not impoverished. Right. No, like I'm you not, have a certain power in that in that way, too, is what I'm saying. Right. And because I'm a straight white male, I can walk into a room and people are going to take me more seriously in this culture than they would if I were anything else. Right. 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 Anything else. So what can I do? To make that statement about. There not being a role for straight white males in in the revolution against the patriarchy. What can I do to subvert that? And also what but I mean what can you do against the patriarchy to help yourself? Right. Is what I would ask. Right. Mhm. Yeah, like right. what, so what can, can I do? What can you do as the man to 
take down the patriarchy in a way that's totally going to help you too. It really right. will. Oh, no, it will. Because then, because I've always known that my certain expression of masculinity is not in line with what's acceptable in the patriarchy. Well, nothing's exciting. I mean, like, you know, it's unrealistic. Like we've been talking about this whole time. Hegemonic masculinity is exactly completely unrealistic and stupid. And this is, so, yeah. And part of the reason we're having this range of, of talking about the social connection of these tropes mm-hmm. to the real world more than this one is because we have not in the past historically had this conversation. With feminism, right. with women tropes, we've, we've had, had that conversation. conversation about where do women belong in the society? Why oh, can't they be in charge? Oh, you're so right. We can't. That is a good point. We're into we're into the fourth or fifth wave of 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 feminist thought and theory. Sure. As far as yeah. masculine theory in a post patriarchal society, we haven't even gotten to wave one yet. No shit. Right. That is a really good point. That is a really we good have, point. We as straight white men have no fucking idea. How to be men without being propped up and and reinforced by an abusive, violent, degrading Absolutely. system. Absolutely. Without either being either being being completely just yeah, like you said, abused and like violated by the system and trying to you know if you're trying to be a part of the system. Right. Or what happens when you oppose the system and take it down? Like what happens to you? How can you be? A straight white man then yep. like what's that going to look like and yeah you're right these are conversations where we haven't had yet yep. we really haven't had and so for me my first step is to vote with the black ladies <laughs> that's a great fucking <laughs> you know? step oh because, my god because the what they because if you take if you take women of color and you give them every single opportunity and privilege you grant them all the access that straight white men have then you have no reason in this society to discriminate against anybody because of race or gender. Yep. I really wish listeners, you could see like the gestures that Jason is making when he makes these very passioned and statements because it's <laughs> fucking awesome. And I, no, I it totally like makes a difference. You know, we should despite, do a video podcast. Despite all point. of my tendencies towards assholishness and my occasional, you know, tendency to 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 talk down to people whether they are men or women oh i give shit to people who aren't intellectual all the time i'm a fucking elitist i'm a horrible elitist i'm terrible that is great why i really like that i really like that you just said that do something why the why are so many fucking people and, and this is the other thing is that I have to wrestle with with, you know, patriarchy would be truly beneficial to me because, you know, I th- I have this sneaking suspicion deep down inside that I'm just a mediocre white guy. Oh, and, you're not mediocre. And I don't want uh, I'm I'm a mediocre white guy, but I don't want this acknowledgement no, and this different. recognition of my mediocrity as a white guy to turn right. into into violence and hatred and and toxicity the thing that we're talking about with these podcasts i mean i have even though in a lot of other and in the majority of my self i might be mediocre i have an above average sense of empathy yes yeah that's for sure okay and did you ever see um that documentary um about uh james baldwin i am not your negro 
Oh no, I never saw it. No, oh. I saw stuff about it, but I didn't actually watch. Please that. watch that. Oh my god, that is so I really beautiful. Want to. I was, oh, yeah. I was, I watched that fucking thing, and I broke down in tears because it. Oh. I'm like going. I, I I realized in two moments there were two things that I had in that particular moment. I realized that in my life. I had been the kind of person who was a racist, who was, who was insensitive, who was engaged in microaggressions, who was doing the kind of things that made James Baldwin feel like he was less than human. Oh, my God. And at the same time, I recognized that, that this struggle that he had, the struggle that, that all minorities in this patriarchal, bullshit, white racist society have gone against, that... They have a level of emotional endurance and strength far beyond anything that I can comprehend. And wow. And I and I'm just and I and I and it reached a point in me where I could not fathom how anyone could could with any amount of empathy could listen to anything that he had to say and not feel an intense amount of shame and guilt and and this need to make amends, to do something right, to to to, yeah. to do right by this entire segment of our population that we ripped away from their families, from their country, from their place, whatever. We brought them here and we told them they were less than. Reparations, right? Yeah. And... Wow. I don't, and I and there's and as a white guy, I don't quite know how to deal with that at times. Oh, sure. Except yeah. to, you know, start voting with the black ladies. <laughs> no, but that's a great first and, step, right? Like you're saying, that's a first step. That's really, really fucking important. And and that and and I know that seems trivial and and but what what it, what that means is you have to actually pay attention to what the women of color are saying that they need in order to live, to get by, to succeed, to advance, to get out of their pit of poverty and not preaching to them about what they need to do to get out of their pit of poverty, but no, listening listen, to them. You're listening to them. Listening to yeah. them tell you, I need child care. I need help with this. I need a good job. I need a living wage. I need health insurance that I, that does not make me impoverished, that I, that I can afford you know, I need these things in order to access that the, the rights, the support system that white males have by default, by simply virtue right. of their birth. Yep. Yep. And yeah. Yeah. Good when, for you. When you listen to that shit. And this is why this is why I find it so. After Trump was elected. Oh, man, I don't I don't. Uh, um, my reaction was just. It was first, it was disbelief. I think I went through the phases of, of like the death of a loved one. I was like, right. I didn't believe it. I was like, no, there's no fucking way. There's no way. There's no way. That's not possible. And then I was like, okay. And I, and I like couldn't handle it for a while. And then I was like way too down about it. And then right. I was like angry. And then I like went through all the phases. Right. I couldn't. I, oh, okay. Anyway. Sorry, go on. But so I, I was listening I to, to all the. Roll. I was no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I was listening to all the hot takes, and mm -hmm. and the uh, the 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 you know the various flipping around of blame as to who oh, was and responsible. Oh, the fucking optimist, the fucking fucking goddamn optimist. We're like, how right. bad can it be? 
and they won't let him get that bad. I was like, oh fuck. And I heard a lot of people of trying to place blame on on my region in particular and stuff like this. But I found I found this one article by an African American woman who sat there right point blank and basically said in her article, "This is white lady's fault." Oh, for sure. Oh, I read that one too. I think and I did too. What was her name? I can't remember. I'll have to go and author. find it. But I. I posted that I posted that yep. I reposted that essay onto my Facebook feed and there yep. was a there was a a white lesbian friend of mine who got incredibly angry with me well, of course because you know I she, who, who basically said you know you know, all of these your history of supporting feminism how could you post this article that's critis, that's critical of 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 feminism and I was like, you're like white, white, white feminism, white lady feminism. It's white critical of white lady feminism. <laughs> and read it again. Read it. In yeah, detail. I know. I know. You know, read because because when you take said. a look at because when you take a look at the at the at the votings of white women. Oh, my God, it was horrible. How did Got so many that, white women? Vote how for many that did that giant percentage God. of white women vote for that? Pussy grabbing, fucking Cheeto face. Because troll. you know what? Because their husbands are like that, right? You know? Because they had because they were protecting their white lady privilege Absolutely. Be, of being attached to a powerful white man, or what or they thought they, to be you know, powerful was they a white were, man. right. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, <sighs> and feminism has been fraught. This was. This was uh, um, the whole point behind the Combahee River Collective statement was that they felt that that feminism was being mostly guided and directed by white ladies and they weren't speaking to them and their particular needs right. as women of color. Which has been true for the first couple of waves, at right. least, of the fe- of feminism. It's been very, exactly. very privileged. I mean, the whole suffragette thing is was oh, exactly. mainly just white women. I mean, white women got the vote before anyone else did. Right. Right, and that that's, been the, that's been the whole man. that's been that's been a a a, a, a schism in, in feminism mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. never been addressed. Is because and and what's interesting is that if you actually take feminist, a look, feminist feminist feminism, a feminism, a feminism. But we have to understand that there are three components to patriarchy: gender. Oh, I really wish everyone could see your gestures. I love economy your gestures right now. Gender, and economy. Race. So and what? gender, wealth, and race. Those are the three oh, gender, economy, pillars of, okay. of, 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 of Western European patriarchy. Gender, wealth, order? and race. Yeah. Not, well, okay. they can be in any order. All that matters oh. is that if you have all three, if you're a white male and who's wealthy, you're on the top. Right. And then what the way the patriarchy works is that if you're a white male but poor, you're still on top of anyone who's not male. If you are male and rich, you're still on top of anybody who's feminine. Right. Okay. No, I see. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're feminine and rich, you're on top of some males as long as they're not white. It's hard to be women and rich in a patriarchal society because everything shifts to the male. Right. But. So no well, matter what configuration, went to, yeah. mm-hmm. no matter what configuration you have in the in that 
tripod, if you're missing one of the legs, boop, it doesn't yep. stand. Right. And that's the whole point behind patriarchy. And so white ladies who are rich, the only people that they can punt and beat up and suppress are people of color because they can't do men. Men are superior to them. Yeah. They can do poor people, but only as long as they're not also white. Right. Or to, you know, to a certain extent. Then there's just the systemic keeping down of the education of poor white yep. and poor other kinds of societies, too. I mean, there's there's a whole reason why you can't possibly give a logical argument to anyone and if you're who white is and, a Trump supporter. If, if there's you're no rich, way. They, they, if you're they don't rich. have any kind of way to understand cognitively mm-hmm. a structured argument. Yep. There's no way to even get – they don't even get it. It's just that piss off the libs. That's all. That's all they get. They don't. It's it's all well, like part of that has to do emotion. Part of that has to do with um, the way that we have isolated people through underfunding education. Oh, well, that's exactly through, what I mean. Through it's social systemic, media, it's a systemic keeping down of certain and populations where they can't. Posi- you, and, they don't and have the education to, people's- to be able to cognitively understand an argument. That's just not even a part of. How I hesitate. They- I hesitate. I hesitate to say that people cannot cognitively understand an argument. Instead, what I would say is that they have been trained not to trust, as Bobby used to say, they've been trained not to trust their native intelligence. That, that's that's what I mean. They don't have and- any way of following it, an argument because they don't trust it. They don't get it. Right. I just, I just, right I just wanted to make sure that that because my my initial empathetic response to what you were saying was that these people are just stupid. They don't know how to get oh, an no, argument. Not at all. And it's no, not no. that. They, it's they that they've been trained potential. to to distrust intellectualism, to distrust thought. To, they've been trained to distrust their their native intelligence. They've been yep. trained to distrust anything that might enable them to figure and learn their way out of a situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's not because they're stupid. That's no, because no, no, somebody no. has convinced them. Somebody that, has brainwashed them. Two things. They've convinced and brainwashed them on the one hand. On the other hand, they have taken away any opportunity that they might have to use their native intelligence right. for for you know, anything for other good, than actually, basic survival. Education. Right. Anything other exactly. than basic. Have I fed myself exactly. today and do I have a place to sleep? Basic survival does not allow you to really be able to right. use your intelligence in a way that you can. Right. Anyone who's in survival mode can't. They can't deal get with out that. of survival mode because of they can't not. afford to spend the because energy. Because they're not allowed to, to afford to. They're not allowed to come out of that situation, and that's exactly where that voter base is. Right. It's horrible. It's just horrible. And that's and that's what that's what I feel so bad. That's what extraction really capitalism is doing to us right yeah. now. Is that it's busy making everybody just poor enough that they can't think about anything other just than just poor enough. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. poor enough that they can't think about anything except the next paycheck to be able to pay their bills and maintain the status quo. You know, when Europeans yep. ask, why aren't Americans protesting? And it's because, well, because if we go out and protest, we'll lose our health insurance. Work. Yep, exactly. 
Yeah, that happens to that. That's has happened recently and, to a lot if, of people just now. And if we can't, and if we can't pay for when we're sick, then we go bankrupt because they'll extract the money from us to yep. get pay for that stuff, and then we're suddenly homeless on the street, and we can't do anything at that point. No, exactly. Then we're completely powerless. Which means, of course, that we're completely powerless to begin with. If it wasn't for the fucking assholes that that undercut Reconstruction, we would have a completely different South than we do right now. Because because during Reconstruction, before they started undercutting Reconstruction, dude, Reconstruction in the South like took white people completely out of fucking power, which was why white people in the North were like all in favor of getting rid of Reconstruction. Hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Racism, patriarchy, what's all right there? I know. I, I really like hearing people being like, that's not this America. That's never been this America. Oh, I'm like, fuck. it's been this America since the fucking first day. Oh, I know. I know. It's like the when they day, started separating families at the border and they're like, this isn't the America I know. And I want to go, do you remember what totally they is. did to the indigenous people? That's totally like, America. <laughs> no, no, you're right. This is horrible and it fucking is horrible and sucks and should stop immediately. But it's definitely America. <laughs> it's definitely America because like, everything we're doing at the America. border to all of these people from Honduras and Central America, we did that to indigenous people. We did that to the yeah. Sioux. We did that to the Cherokee. We did that to every fucking indigenous tribe in this country. We stripped oh, yeah. the children away from those families. We put them yeah. in schools and we made them white, whether they wanted yep. to be that way or not. They didn't. And why should they? So anyway, I think we've had our moment. <laughs> Polly's So Hi. next time, what's Love what's you. trope number uh, six? Uh, Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom. Oh, I love Mr. Yeah, Mom. I want to get Paul back on because he is a wonderful father, single father. We'll get back and to the wanna, fun I stuff. Get him we'll on. get to the to the fun versions of problematic, toxic masculinity tropes with yeah, Mr. Mom. I want to I want to get Paul on because he's going to come on and talk about what it's like to be a single dad and a really really fucking good one, and all right. also probably be interrupted by his children every two seconds, which will be fucking perfect. <laughs> so I'm all hoping. Right. Let's cross our fingers. Yep. All right. So <laughs> thanks, everybody, for listening to The Rants. We'll be back uh, with Mr. Mom next. Two and two. The Outrider podcast is orchestrated by me, Jason Quinn Malott, and audio production magic is performed by Heather Ann Eden. You can find the show online at jquinnmalott.com. And if you would, please hop on iTunes and give us a rating. We'll be back later in 2020 with more miniseries, live shows, and one-on-one conversations with writers, editors, and publishers. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.